Welcome to the Underscore Transformation podcast. My name's Jason West. And my name's Joe Wales. And together we're the founders of Underscore. This is the fourth episode in our bonus mini-series on the future of work and the pandemic. Last week, we were joined by three special guests, Rachel Kay, Learning Director at Capita, Emma Lucas, Head of Talent and Development at Marks & Spencer, and Craig McCoy, Group HR Director and Chair of the London HR Connection. And we left them last week considering the skills and capabilities that organizations need to develop to be successful in a digital post-COVID world. We also talked about some of the promises that digital transformation brings to the learning and development function and the gaps that some of our guests have exposed between technology vendors' strategic vision and the operational reality on the ground. If you've not listened to last week's episode, I'd highly recommend listening to that one first before taking a listen to this week's episode. So what can we expect this week, Joe? We're asking how has digital transformation and the pandemic changed the skills the HR functions need to be successful? Where are the gaps between business demand for these skills and HR's ability to respond? We also look into the function's uh, role in the response to the pandemic um, and some practical tips for HR professionals seeking to grow their careers in a digital world. We ended last week's episode with Emma considering the reality of multi-generational workforces and the challenge this places on designing systems um, and learning and development interventions that work across diverse populations in the business. So we're picking up this week's conversation where we left off. So um, over to you, Jason. Okay, so we've, we've talked about the broader impact or um, on demand for, for these sorts of business analysis, engineering, solution design, program management, and data analysis and decision support sort of uh, skills and competencies. But as we look more internally to the HR function, uh, are the, is the demand for those sorts of skills and competencies the same or has has the demand been different within HR or is it is it increased in certain areas? So probably, Craig and Emma, it's more a question for you, I'd guess, being kind of HR professionals who are working within organizations. What, what's been uh, your perspective? Yeah, so there's, there's a couple of things from my point of view. One is that as, as a direct result of COVID-19, a lot of businesses are having to diversify and reinvent themselves as they move into different propositions, different products, different business models completely. And uh, they need a lot of help from the HR function to do that. So I think it's got significant implications for leadership of the organizations across across every sector, really which will emphasize uh, attributes like creativity and innovation, commercial ability, um, things like uh, business turnaround, uh, you know, businesses that have been significantly affected, and change management. And uh, I think the HR function has a real challenge to uh, respond by uh, evidencing those skill sets and also developing people within the organization to be capable in surviving in that environment. There are still too many HR people and people generally who are very steady state. And uh, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't think sufficiently commercially. They don't think about the direction the business is going in. They live in some, something of a, an ivory tower uh, and, and just deal with HR best practice for its own sake. And I think that's that's a real mistake. So I think um, the degree of change happening within industry globally is is massive at the moment. So I think that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to touch upon was that I did actually support Sage with a study of several hundred organisations looking at HR skills and uh, 
I've got some of the kind of results of that study in front of me. And oh, great. Um, some of some of the, um, the the major sort of um, HR skills gap that I identified were we've mentioned some of them. Uh, definitely people analytics. So the whole kind of data, data modeling, reporting, data analysis, seen as a major skills gap in, in, in organizations. A lot of HR people not being very data savvy. And I think that um, flows into the area of financial awareness more broadly as well. Um, another one was around creativity and innovation. It's about helping businesses to pivot and diversify and to think more broadly about the direction in which um, things the business can go, but also in terms of policy development. So uh, the most obvious example being flexible working, where uh, HR had to be incredibly uh, creative about uh, reinventing flexible working policies, but also things like absence management, sickness management, a whole host of, of, of traditional HR issues, if you like, that um, need to be reinvented because of the pandemic. The third one is about technology awareness and being tech savvy. And uh, that's that's pretty obvious in terms of um, uh, all functions within the HR needs to be uh, embracing digital much more purposefully and be more comfortable with it. And the fourth one is, is it's kind of pretty obvious, really, when you think about it, but it's about communication. And uh, communication challenges obviously have been massive during um, the COVID crisis, particularly with those businesses who uh, are in the essential worker category. They've had to keep going. Uh, but also, of course, those people who are working from home and need to, to keep engaged with their business if perhaps they've been furloughed as well. And I think my final point is uh, around operational awareness. So it's about HR needs to be very, very closely coupled with operational leadership and need to fully understand what it takes to keep a business running and need to be working hand in glove with the operations director or their equivalent chief exec uh, in their organization to make sure that the business continues, is viable and keeps running. And that uh, would include all aspects of people leadership. So I think um, moving away perhaps uh, maybe temporarily from the long-term strategy uh, but looking, just looking at survival instincts and keeping the business running. And I think a lot of HR people are not sufficiently au fait with how the business actually operates day to day. So that's been yes. a bit of a learning curve for uh, for many HR functions that I, I, I've become aware of. So just in terms of the that study, um, is it publicly available? Um, can we include a link in the show notes? Yeah, it's a very good piece of work. Yeah. Thanks, there, Craig. Emma, what's your view? I think I'd, I'd echo Craig's sentiment around the sort of operational partnership. That's been absolutely key getting through at the start and continuing through through COVID as well. And we're seeing, seeing more and more of that, which is great. I think also having a slight view on what's going on externally too. So constantly sort of scanning the uh, environment from multi with a multitude of sort of perspectives on that, but really bringing kind of the outside in so that we as an organization can understand, you know, what else we need to be thinking about, what else is um, available out there. So partnering that agility, the other skill set that I'm seeing becoming more and more important as our leaders are making some of these big shifts and transitions uh, would be that coaching capability for our HR mm -hmm. business partners particularly. So how are they supporting their operational leaders to show up differently with colleagues to bring that level of empathy and engagement um, alongside the sort of use of the technology that really means people are coming with us on the journey and being taken care of and kind of giving our colleagues what they need from from leaders and managers right now so that coaching capability of our HR partners is is essential yeah and when you look across 
your HR function and the wider HR profession, can the demand for these skills be consistently met or, or are there gaps? And if so, kind of where, where are the most troubling ones? I guess my view would be that there's there's probably gaps. I'm not sure I've seen HR investing enough in its own capability, um, mm. and particularly in some of those coaching and change skills. That's not been my experience, but um, it, it may be uh, Craig or Rachel have got a different view. No, I think I would echo that. I think there are, in all the areas that I, I mentioned previously, I think there are significant gaps. And I think that's resulted in the um, the creation of new roles within the HR function. For example, the emerging data scientist role, uh, which a lot of, a lot of um, businesses are investing significantly in uh, developing expertise in these areas. I've, I, I know in some of the banks, for example, um, I'm aware of year-long training programs in data science for, uh, for HR people, which is a significant investment in individuals, but just highlights the, the depth of expertise which is required. Uh, and the level of the gap in terms of uh, people analytics. So I think um, there are significant gaps in, in all of these areas, some of which are probably more trainable than others. Uh, so I think uh, there's a lot of work to do. So Rachel, turning to you, what demand have you seen from uh, your clients and their HR functions for these sorts of skills? I think it's quite interesting, actually, because the HR function is probably one of the functions that we get least requests from. Mm. And I always ask myself the question, why is that? And often it's because they're spending a lot of their time preparing to develop the other functions within the organization. And and sometimes you forget to look at yourself. So I I don't think there's any other reason um, apart from that. But one of the things that we are finding where we're being asked to support the whole of the sort of people function, and that would include the HR professionals, the N&D professionals, is working strategically with the organization around their sense of purpose and and a corporate purpose or an organizational purpose. So certainly within our financial services clients who are really coming out to market with a sense of um, brand and a sense of clear purpose about what they want to be. And at a very senior level in the organization, they are asking both the HR and the L&D function to sit side by side with the rest of the organization in supporting the objective to get out the sense of purpose for the organization. Organization, and that really tends to link to the vision and the values that the organization would have. And this is a, a top priority for um, many of our customers at the moment. So this is where we have been working with some of our customers to take a leaf out of the marketing book and actually think about how can the HR function, along with their learning colleagues, create clear campaigns around the sense of purpose that the organization wants to drive to their markets and also the vision and the values that they want both their customers and their employees um, to understand and certainly from the employee point of view to be able to demonstrate. So I would say that the HR and the learning function are being more involved in that strategic thinking exercise and that then links to their skills about understanding how do you clearly communicate those messages to the employees and more importantly how do you measure whether they're actually landing, having impact, and that people are adapting those competencies and those behaviours that are in line with the vision and the values. And Craig, have you seen something similar? Is, Is there not that much demand coming out of HR for developing these sorts of skills? 
You are listening to the Underscore Transformation podcast. If you'd like a few more tools in your crisis management kit bag, why not visit underscore-group.com forward slash CMR toolkit to hone your crisis management skills, lead your organization through recovery. I think the thing with HR people is that they tend to be quite reticent in asking for support because I think they have a natural tendency to feel that they're supporting the organization and therefore they're reluctant to show signs of weakness. I think a combination of that and probably um, a lack of self-insight in terms of what's really required from the HR function in these exceptionally challenging times, mm-hmm. um, or else uh, a feeling that of unease that they may not be able to adjust to, to the requirements the organization is setting for them. As you think about COVID-19, a lot of the challenges are really fairly and squarely in the people people area. And therefore, yeah. the HR leader is is by far an obvious choice to, um, to, to really take the helm. And I've seen many HR directors that I'm aware of have been asked to um, take on a broader role as sort of, if you like, um, COVID-19 response leadership. Mm. Um, because so many of the aspects and the, and the responses are in the people arena. But I think that places the HR director and the HR team, therefore, in, in quite an exposed position. Yes. Um, because they, they need to be seen to be confident, assured, resilient. And uh, I think, therefore, there is a natural reluctance to uh, voice uh, any any particular development needs that they may have. Um, there are always exceptions, obviously, but I think um, that, that, that's what I see generally. And it's, it's sort of like cobbler's children syndrome. It's like um, they're, they're there to uh, advise and help people with their development needs. And therefore, presumably, they don't have any. So it's um, uh, yes. and, uh, it may also be an aspect of the fact that HR is still seen in many organizations as a support function. Yeah, and uh, organisations when budgets are tight are perhaps less willing to invest in the development of support functions than they would be to uh, invest in the development of operational teams. So I think that for all those reasons, I think maybe it's a combination of those things that would uh, lead HR people to be quite quiet about it. Yes, yeah, and you, you touched on um, a number of HR leaders taking a broader kind of COVID response, crisis response role. Um, has that uncovered any kind of new skills or competencies that HR suddenly has needed to develop over and above the previous uh, demand that it had? Yeah, I think it's probably in the leadership in its broadest sense, but also around program management, having a structure, uh, having uh, strong communication capability. And it's a, it's a bit self-fulfilling as well, because although many HR leaders have been chosen to fulfill such roles, quite a few have been passed over uh, for that opportunity because uh, maybe the chief exec would prefer to give that kind of responsibility to uh, a much more line operational leader, for example, who's more used in dealing with uh, with the day-to-day. So I think it's quite interesting to um, ask yourself the question, if you're an HR director, you know, have, have I or have I not been asked to take on a broader responsibility? Uh, if yes, great, recognizing the fact that you can broaden and step up into that area if not um, maybe there's a question to be asked about why not 
and um, yeah. maybe the HR function is not seen as being operationally critical. It's still seen as somewhat removed from the operation. So in many ways, it's a bit of a litmus test, I would say, in terms of how connected the HR team is into the business and whether that connection is very visible to the rest of the organization and recognized by the organization and obviously by the chief executive in particular. So I think it's a bit of a testing ground. And uh, I think it's uh, it's a time for a bit of uh, self-reflection in mm-hmm. terms of um, you know what's, what's coming at you as a result of uh, as the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, you you really would expect that a CEO would turn to their HR director to lead the response to the pandemic. So I guess you'd you'd have to be asking yourself some questions if you haven't been asked. So Emma, on a more operational note, and thinking about some of the operational challenges that you faced at Marks and Spencer, have you also seen a change in the demand for certain skills as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's sort of that agility, the the kind of policy making real time, you know, adapting um, very quickly with the operation. That's that's certainly been something I think we've done particularly well and quite proud of um, from our perspective. And then I think we touched on as well that this sort of data gathering, data management, data science sort of skill set. So really kind of using data to help us make decisions quite quickly for the organization those would be the two i'd probably call out so rachel turning to you what sort of training or development have your customers been looking for as they've been grappling with the pandemic yeah i think it for us it's in the leadership field mainly um i think it's around resilience um i think it's around how as a leader can i continue to lead in what are let's face it really challenging circumstances i think with our customers at the moment there are a number of challenges that our HR and and L&D colleagues are facing and economic turbulence is just going to be one of those. So we're going to have to now steer organizations through some really tricky financial positions potentially over the next, you know, one to two years. And from a people point of view, how are we going to support our employees through that journey? So the cross-skilling, the upskilling, the reskilling that we we talked about before are going to be key. And how do you do that at pace? Um, So one of the big skills that we're working with um, is around agile um, Mm -hmm. and how can we ensure that workforces can act in an agile way, not only just from their processes point of view, but actually from a mindset point of view. And that growth mindset um, is a skill that many of our customers are asking us to talk to them about in terms of how we can support them in deploying that type of behavior. So as we start to emerge into something of a recovery phase, um, what over the horizon for organizations that are looking to prepare their people for a post-pandemic world? I think we've got to think that they offer opportunity, not just a a bleak outlook. Out of um, the pandemic, there is going to be opportunity. Organizations will be given the opportunity to reinvent themselves, to bring new products to market and new services. So I think there has to be a real sense of optimism. Um, Yes, we need to deal with, you know, the shifting patterns of work and living and how people are going to operate. Yes, we've got the acceleration and impact that technology will bring. And, you know, linking to what I've referred to before about that corporate sense of purpose and and how organizations are positioning themselves in their market. And that's a really exciting time. Um, But we've got to dig deep because it's been a difficult six months. We're not out of the woods yet, quite clearly, with the pandemic. But I think one of the most positive things that's come out of the the pandemic, and we certainly see this within Capita, is teams' opportunity, and they've taken it 
really positively to actually work collaboratively. And I always think that if we had got some of our teams to work collaboratively the way that they've naturally just flowed into that way of working over the last six months, if we had planned that, it would have taken four project managers. It would have been a six-month rollout program. And we're probably by Christmas just about thinking, have we got there? And is it amazing how human nature has actually adapted really quickly? Um, So that, for me, is why we need to think positively about the future. Thanks, Rachel. Um, Emma, if we can focus in on learning and development functions, what does the future hold? I think um, the points we were kind of covering off around sort of that personalized learning journey, um, using technology a lot more and really taking people on their own kind of personalized learning journey based on the skills they need today, the careers they want for the future, being able to customize that. And um, as Rachel said, you know, delivering content just in time in the flow of work and supporting it with really great line managers, great line managers who are there to sort of coach you. So as we become more reliant on technology, the role of the line and the role of HR around that technology and those interventions becomes more and more important. Yeah, no doubt. Really great managers are going to be essential for any organization that's emerging from this crisis. Craig, what, what's your view? Yeah, so I think crisis management, crisis leadership, operational sustainability, um, understanding the requirements of running a day-to-day business, these are all these are all really key and become much, much more prominent in, in the priority list for leaders in general and HR, I don't really differentiate. I mean, it's the um, both, both of those things. The word resilience has been used uh, frequently. I mean, that, that's definitely going to be a key requirement. You need to be resilient for anything that uh, the business or, in fact, the country or the globe can throw at you. I think that's going to be one. I think the, the technical skills, um, being digitally savvy, I think that's, that's going to be uh, important for everyone. Um, one that's also come to the fore, which we haven't really mentioned yet, is around performance management. Mm-hmm. I think um, the ability to judge uh, and assess performance in a meaningful way based on outputs versus inputs. Uh, so I think that discipline uh, is going to be there for, for everyone. But also there's a, there's a very human uh, aspect of managers uh, placing more trust in their employees. And as, as you get less eye-to-eye visibility of employees as they're working more flexibly, do you really trust them to do uh, what they need to do in their own time, flexibly, to manage their own hours? Um, for many perhaps more traditional leaders, this is going to be a real uh, testing point as to whether or not they can actually adjust to, to leading in a more trusting way. And uh, I think that also implies more empathy with employees. I mean, that's, um, I suppose for many years, the old command and control culture has been um, eroded. Uh, it's, it's a more progressive, trust-based, empathetic relationship with your team. Yeah. I think uh, in the, the days of COVID-19 and flexible working, that has really come to the fore and has built stronger relationships in many cases between line managers and their people who work for them so they get to know more about them as individuals, more about their family circumstances, more about perhaps their health. Um, you know, So I think uh, that empathetic leadership uh, is, mm-hmm. is a really um, significant shift, I would say, um, because you need, to, you need to be empathetic with all of the crises that people are dealing with in their in their home life as well as their work life so i think yeah. a lot of what i'm saying is really around leadership and management um which i think is is, is such a hugely important thing in, the, in these days 
So to wrap up, if you were to advise an up-and-coming HR professional seeking to grow their career, what are the top three skills or competencies that they should seek to develop? So turning to you, Emma, what's your view? I'm going to cheat a little bit and merge some, but I think there's a this change in project management, absolutely essential. Mm-hmm. Then there's a piece around business acumen or commercial acumen, and then the external angle on that. And then finally, I would talk about coaching and talent development. So bringing those line leaders on with their skills, but also harvesting the sort of talent inside your organization. Fantastic. Thank you. So that's six, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's definitely six, but you know what, we'll let it slide. Um, Rachel, what's your view? For me, it's about that um, commercial acumen, understanding how your business operates and what are the clear outcomes that, from a people point of view, you need to support the business in terms of delivering. So what are the signs of success? What are the measures? So that whole commercial piece around the impact that the HR function have would be key. The second thing for me is around analytics, being able to look at information and um, establish um, priorities of where you might need to focus your time and also to identify potentially where you might need to partner. Because I think it's really important that we don't think that we can all solve all the problems all the time. So having an eye on the marketplace and what, um, whether it's technology or some behavioral science to support you. So um, having a view of the marketplace for me is going to be really key. And then the other one that we must forget with our HR colleagues is about leadership. So the organization will look to the HR function to lead them through difficult times, whether it's advising on an approach or keeping us um, in in line from a compliance point of view. They're also going to be looking for clear guidance around behaviors and um, vision and a sense of purpose and how the organization needs to operate and what success looks like from a people point of view. So I think it's really important that they are demonstrating their own great leadership skills as well as coaching it in others. Thanks, Rachel. And finally, Craig, your your view on the same question. Yeah, so um, for me, I agree with uh, a number of the points that Rachel's just made. The um, the one which I'd really draw out is, is about continuous learning and education. And I think um, the impact of um, things like uh, process automation, machine learning, AI, these are all going to really reduce down the number of transactional roles in, uh, in HR. So I think the HR community needs to focus on their expertise as knowledge workers. And I think that'll be about continuous learning uh, and investing in their own development, but also about the softer skills around influencing and interpersonal skills to really make the best use of that learning and that knowledge that they're acquiring. So I think for me, that's a big one. Uh, The second one, I deliberately and definitely agree with change management transformation. I think um, Mm -hmm. those those are skills which are always going to be extremely useful and obviously combining with leadership as well. And the third one, which I think is probably uh, the biggest gap as I see it, is financial understanding. And I think um, if HR people are ready to influence at senior leadership level, they need to make a strong commercial impact. And I think uh, a lot of HR people lack the, um, the nuts and bolts of financial understanding uh, to be able to assist their organizations in any meaningful way and to increase their credibility. So for me, those would be the top ones. Thanks very much for that, Craig. And I think on the subject of continuous learning, that's a great place to end today's discussion. My thanks to our guests, Emma Lucas from Marks & Spencer, Rachel Kay from Capita, and Craig McCoy, HR Director and Chair of the London HR Connection. Thanks for your time today, everyone. Great conversation. Thank Thank you. Thank you.
So we're going to continue our focus on the HR function for just a little while longer. We've talked about the imperative for HR to develop digital transformation and crisis management capability over the past few weeks. Next week, we're focusing on buying in capability from the market. So how readily available are these skills from the market? Where can you find them? When should you buy instead of build? And what do you need to have in the front of your mind as you select from big shiny consultancies all the way through to one-man band contractors and hiring permanent staff. Yeah, so if you found today's episode useful, please feel free to share this episode with your colleagues across your network. And if you're feeling really generous, we'd be delighted if you could give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. For more practical advice and guidance on business transformation, change and crisis management, please subscribe to this podcast and check out our back catalog. You may actually find the answer to a problem you're grappling with today. So thanks very much for listening.